Hello. Hey, Paul. How are you? Good. Yeah, sorry about that. Um, my Skype wanted to update, so I oh I yeah, update. and then I was just checking to see if it was going to be some super long update or a you know yeah. little one. Oh, mine did the same thing. They're like, uh, why do they? <laughs> anyway, I'm so sick of software updates. Every time I boot my Mac, my Windows box, or anything, it's they just pile up, and it's like yeah, I don't I don't know what uh, you know, especially things like iTunes that they're so massive. Yeah, like, they replace yeah. the whole thing. They don't like just patch. I don't know what they're doing. Drives me crazy. I don't want any updates. I, I'd ra- I'd rather go back. I'd like them to take things away and right take features out. Yeah. <laughs> And oftentimes yeah. they take features that used to work and make them not work. Yeah, I just want to stay. Like you can have, uh, for iTunes, you can do sharing across the network. Um, and you could, uh, they they have res- like put restrictions on that, so your computer has to be on the same subnet, which means like you can't put it fr- from your wired to your wireless network if you have a setup like that, I think. Yeah, updates nowadays seem like uh, whenever I do them, I feel like I'm I'm gonna lose something that I want. Like they're they're making my experience less and their experience better. Yeah, they're gonna put something on there too that's gonna uh, scan your computer looking for contraband. Yeah, <laughs> so, so so uh, uh, it's been a while since we we chatted. I'm I'm uh, appreciate you taking the time. Oh yes, for my busy schedule. Yeah. So, uh, so uh, you've been uh, you've been pretty busy. So you uh, recorded in your one of your chats. Um, you talked about the uh, the TV writing project, and uh, I don't want to get you you know in trouble by uh, talking more about a project you're not supposed to talk about. But is there any uh, exciting news on that front? Um, no, I don't. I don't know if it's if I would. I wonder if I would get in trouble. I don't. I don't think there's any way I would. But I, I'm sort of paranoid, um, uh, without any reason to be. Well, I think is, I think maybe if what it paranoia was, is. If it was, uh, if they were seriously asking you to um, not disclose anything, they'd have you sign a non-disclosure. Yeah. Well, I'm working with a pretty informal guy. I mean, um, uh, this uh, he's a screenwriter named Steve Conrad. He's he wrote like the uh, the, the the Pursuit of Happiness and. Um, uh, a few other things. His new movie is like has is uh, the Secret Life of Walter Mitty. Oh, and that's going to be coming out with like with Ben Stiller and um, he's a, he's a fairly well known guy. He does a lot of ghost writing and he, you know he did some stuff for the Karate Kid and um, so he's uh, and he's he's really my um, conveyance. You know he he listened to he heard Sarah's Balloon a, a year or two ago. On Chicago Chicago Public Radio, and then listened to just started listening to the um, uh, to Adam's Motion the Void podcast, and and then just wrote me and said, "Hey, let's let's try to do something." And he originally wanted to do something with Sarah's Balloon, try to turn that into a, a movie, and um, and then he has all these other possibilities. You know, he he just has his 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 uh, screenwriting finger in a lot of different places, and. He asked me to pitch him some ideas about different things, and um, so and then he, this he he got uh, his agent uh, wrote him um, or called him a, a few months ago and told him that uh, TV was would be a good thing for him to think about and that 
that uh, some of the networks had been asking the agent if if Steve had anything uh, that he wanted to pitch. Um, and, and as a matter of fact, <laughs> well, he didn't. He didn't really actually. Yeah, we, we're, yeah some leads on some ideas. <laughs> uh, we we we're pitching only his. He had an idea, uh-huh. um, which um, which I worked up, um, and it's sort of a. It's sort of like an apocalyptic type thing, but not um, a little bit like not in a mean, go, not in a mean way. <laughs> yeah, well, it's well, it's it's different. It's sort of like it's not like uh, the stand, uh-huh. or or like there's a BBC show called Survivors about you know the, the scattered survivors of some uh, great plague, um, but it has that kind of element to it. And he came out here and he's like, okay, I have this idea. And he sort of pitched it to me, and um, and I was like, "Oh, that's that's odd. I've never really heard of that kind of strange thing before." And then, um, basically, over the course of that, you know, the month that I kind of had to take off to work on the the treatment, um, uh, that was just me trying to figure out how to make this kind of show concept work with you know characters and. And plot and storyline and stuff like that. All that good stuff. Yeah. So, and I don't know, and he's, uh, it's, as far as, I, my microphone is kind of making a noise here. Hang on. <laughs> Can you hear that? I. It sounds like you have a, a plane flying overhead or something over your building or so, something yeah. outside. I think my mic is, is slowly dying. It gets this kind of oh, inter- like internal wind. Oh, interesting. Okay, so... Uh, well, it's it sounds alright. It's not bad. Oh, there it stopped. Oh, that's I just I. Oh. <laughs> still, still there. Uh, any, anyway, well that that sounds very promising. Uh, it doesn't have zombies. It's not a, a teen paranormal romance in disguise or something like that. No, it's um. It sort of follows the premise of what would happen if um, if uh, the United States disappeared. Mm. Or all the people in the United States disappeared. Mm. And that's basically what he said. His, his pitch to me was, well, you know, that question, and how can that be a show? What would that look like? Interesting. And at, and at first I thought, um, well, how, how, do they, how did just the people of the United States disappear? <laughs> and... Uh, so it was like trying to make this a believable for myself. Firstly, it was like trying to make this a believable premise. Did you ever Did you ever see a film called The Quiet Earth? Uh, I think I did. Yeah, a long time ago. Uh, maybe I, I may be mistaking the title with another film, in which place, in which case, it'll be very confusing. But it the, basically the idea is there was some sort of a an accident, and um, all the people on the Earth were somehow wiped out except for a handful of people that were technically dead at the time I think (laughs) like they were um, a guy had had a heart attack his heart had stopped so he was like momentarily dead but recovered or someone was drowning or you know and this handful of survivors then uh, eventually meets up and it's this weird thing where it was some kind of a uh, some kind of a a power plant doing some sort of um, power transmission experiment some kind of grid wound up frying the, the earth somehow <laughs> frying all the people I don't remember any of that that story part that you just told me I remember yeah. the I mean, yeah did the, 
You know what? Can I uh, let me just unplug this mic? And sometimes it's the electrical, uh, sure, the little electrical connection. Let me just uh, so it'll disappear for a moment. Sure. Wow, that that uh, that does sound like a something's going bad, a component's going bad, or something. I do have a, uh, I do have another, uh, like a simpler mic, a Shure mic. Let me see if I plug that in, if I can get that to go. In this segment, we are pausing to edit while I uh, remove a chunk of silence and bursts of static and white noise while Sean finds another mic. about that that sounds a lot better it's uh it's a little bit more like i'm in a can but yeah it's um, a different uh it's a different character is it not a, a condenser or it's a smaller it's uh this is something that i used to use when i would uh do um uh radio uh reports like a mic that i would take out in the field like just a field mic i see i, I don't even know what it is electro voice something or other okay um, well, well, it's fine. We can hear you, so that's good. <laughs> yeah. So I'll I'll, uh, I'll edit a little section. Anyway, so how have you been? <laughs> I, I've been I've been really good. Um, you know, it's like um, uh, I always feel like I'm. Uh, I don't know how you feel with things, but I always feel like I'm. I'm always in step one of everything. You know, like I'm waiting for things to begin. Like I you're waiting. Waiting for projects to begin? Yeah, sort of like, yeah. Well, especially like with, with you know, when the screenwriter friend of mine first contacted me. It's been very exciting, but, um, you know, nothing really ever uh, finally sort of takes. Yeah. So we keep doing work and hoping that something will happen with X or Y and, and then waiting and waiting and then another project will come up. Yeah, and I'll do that and wait and, and wait and wonder. So, what I find is that um, everything in my life, including uh, my job, is is just always this hurry up and wait. Like things are very urgent, very urgent, and then I'm waiting to start. You know? Right. Yeah. Or 
I can't finish, you know, I'm trying to finish, I can't finish. Um, and it's, you know, not for lack of what I'm doing, but because something external is blocking the project. And it's hard to, um, like, it's hard to sort of let go and not and say, well, you know, I'm doing every bit of this that I can, and it, now the delay or the problem is not my responsibility. Right, yeah. So. Yeah, it's just, I'm, I'm, I'm really, really anxious to start, not anxious, but I'm interested in starting to work on something instead of just working on sort of the uh, what if we did this kind of thing, which has been a lot of what I've been doing. You know, aside from just doing the like the, the AMV stories or other little things here, the, the bigger, uh, more exciting things are just, you know. Around the corner. <laughs> yeah, very far, around the corner. And I keep describing, and so I feel like I keep, I'm just keep rewriting the corner, describing that corner and waiting to go around it. <laughs> in in, in, uh, in lovely comes. detail, yeah. Well, um, so I had not gotten a chance to talk to you about your second play. Oh, yeah. And uh, here you were winning awards for it shortly after we chatted and talked uh, quite a bit about your first play. And I... I had heard the name, but I didn't even realize it was, you know, you had produced it and, and uh, all that. The, so yeah. do you want to, would you uh, tell us just a little bit about um, your second play? Sure. Um, so the second play was called uh, Whisper, Pray, Make Room. And um, it really, it really sort of emerged out of... Um, maybe, uh, I don't know, four or five different songs that I'd written randomly over the past few years, uh, one of them being like a Christmas song that got, um, even though it's a song I don't particularly love, um, yeah. it got a lot of reaction and it sells really well on iTunes and whatever people... Which one is it? Uh, the Christmas La La song. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I like that song. <laughs> so, I mean, I like it too, but it's it's. I'm, it's not your favorite. No. It's not my favorite. Uh, there's something about it that I like, and I liked writing it and everything. I don't know if I have. You know, I feel the same way about every song that I work on. It. Yeah, very, I know the feeling. <laughs> yeah, it's good and it's good and bad. And um, but anyway, I had a, I had a, a bunch of songs that um, kind of created some kind of. Uh, uh, story I, I felt that I, I I was interested in presenting, and so Whisper Pray Make Room is is basically um, a very loosely based um, story about uh, from Dickens' Christmas Carol. So it's sort of like uh, if you can imagine Scrooge doing a one man show, and if he's a uh, sort of a, a vile late night talk show host. <laughs> is he is this the unreconstructed scrooge or is his his uh sort of after his rehabilitation well it's like a latter-day scrooge you know it's it's a very I, I think you could probably watch this and not even you know say that there had you know I, I think people could see it and say and not recognize that there had anything to do with christmas carol you know okay although so in this in the in this play, he's a, he's, so he's a talk show host, and his name is Steve King, and he's you know he's brutal and he's old and he's awful, and his fans hate him, but they listen and they call in and they abuse him, and he abuses them back, and um, uh, and then he gets um, he gets a call from this uh, you know 
a very disturbing uh, sounding person who tells him he's going to get three calls. That right. So, the, <laughs> so he gets these three calls, which then take him sort of in the same uh, kind of journey that Scrooge goes through with his three ghosts. Like, so one call is like takes him into his past, one takes him into his present, one takes him into his future, and he kind of goes through that that sort of experience. Um, and and there's music, you know. There's probably like ten or eleven songs that I. Um, some of them I just play on the piano. It's probably three piano, just straight piano songs, and the other ones are almost like karaoke, where I'm kind of walking around and I just uh, everything is. I, I built this little um, studio you're singing, set. You're singing to a track. Yeah, like it's sort a, of like karaoke, a backing track. Yeah, yeah I'm just so I have this uh, studio set where where I'm doing. You know, it looks a little bit like maybe what a radio uh, call-in studio might look like with a mm. computer. Sure. And it's all kind of done, and I made this thing out of like rusty metal, and um, then I spray painted, and it looks very strange and kind of oh, uh, I think steampunky. I, I saw some pictures, and I didn't put that together. Realize that was part of your play. You know, I had this uh, from the little bits and pieces of of images of like your uh, existence as uh, as Sherwin that you've released online. I had all this sort of unformed idea that. Uh, that uh, you really did live in a cabin and you had this crazy, uh, you know, r- radio set up and you, you yeah. really did, like, that was where you lived and worked and that was really, you really were isolated in the middle of nowhere and would walk miles and miles to get to the nearest uh, food or something like that. Yeah, well, it's all, it's all kind of, that's, it's partly based on it's maybe some, some long-ago dream I had about where I was heading. You know, I yeah. sort of imagined I'd live that kind of life and then it's you know it's a little bit based on what my real life is yeah right? but i think I, I suspect that your your life is a little more suburban and prosaic than i imagined it to oh be. yeah yeah we have neighbors and you know yeah, right, right we live on a dirt road but it connects up to a street and, okay <laughs> and that street has street lights uh, yeah all right but yeah there's um, it's not uh it's not a cabin on a mountain and, uh-huh. yeah Slight, slight disappointment. Mm. <laughs> Pause for a slight disappointment. So, well, that's that's uh, that sounds neat, and there's not a video available of this yet. No, no, I, uh, I filmed the first one um, partly because I felt like I would never do it again. And I, I wanted to be able to <laughs> some evidence that you actually got on stage and did this kind yeah. of yeah. And I was thinking of it a little more informally, but the um, my friend who first who filmed the first one um, had actually had a production company that had filmed plays and uh, musical events in the past. So he he kind of brought that back to life and 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 really did a you know a much more elaborate job than I was imagining. Uh, right. And then for the second one, I couldn't imagine doing anything less than that, and I also didn't really want to, you know. So yeah. if we were going to do it, it would have to be at least at that level. Um, a couple, couple cameras and mics and yeah. But it was, it was the, to have that, to have the filming. It was very stressful to me, uh, uh-huh. especially for this first play because I, had, you know, it was my first time on stage, and all of a sudden there's, you know, two giant cameras and. Uh, I just didn't so, need the stress, but so the audience wasn't was 
that just added to it or was the the fact of it being uh, like a camera somehow more stressful than just doing well, it in front think, of a live audience? I think anything adds a, another level of stress. You know, It's another so, set of things that can go wrong. Yeah, I mean, even different or, kinds of people in the audience are, yeah. can be stressful and different or, audiences can be stressful. So it's, it's just or, another... I imagine another distraction as well that might get in the way of remembering your whole piece, you know. Yeah, and uh, so, like in the, the first, in my first play, the first um, the first night of my first play, there was only you know a handful of people there, like maybe six people, and yeah. I didn't know any, I didn't know who they were, but two of them were um, reporters, uh. um, like uh, theater critics, and one of them was a, a sketch artist for the, one of the theater critics. And the sketch artist is very peculiarly sketches with both hands. Uses <laughs> both hands is to sketch. So really? I'm I'm standing there with six people, and one of them is sketching with two hands. With both hands, completely <laughs> crazy looking. And I'm like, this is some guy who likes to, you know, he's not a writer who goes to a coffee shop. He's this crazy person who goes to plays and then just draws whatever he wants to draw and then the other you weren't two, sure that it had anything to do with what was oh, going i didn't on think it had room. anything to do with me I, th- I thought he was nuts wow and then the two theater critics kept writing in their journals what i thought i th- so i thought they were writing in you know journal entries about may- not me you know maybe they were working on another play or something <laughs> i had no idea i thought i didn't i had i seriously didn't think they were uh reporters and i didn't think uh-huh. he was a, i just thought these just i was so the play was so bad that they were doing other things. They were they were bored enough. They were writing poetry or something like yeah, that. Yeah, <laughs> if Twitter had been around, they'd be tweeting. Oh goodness! So so that you know that's the kind of stress. And then um, so it was more the after, like going into the second one. I I just was like, I just want to do this, and if if it if it goes well and I like it, then I'll do it again. You know, because it's kind of a Christmassy Christmas oriented play and yeah uh it's not that hard for me to do and i'll film it i'll film it later if okay so well it's it's actually i was just uh i had my video camera out today and i was making a little video which i'm going to post on on your wall actually because it's sort of an a response to your lawnmower piece oh yeah yeah so uh, um, Is it a but, li- do you are you mowing the lawn i am mowing the lawn <laughs> so, nice. but it's uh it struck me today, especially as uh, when I was uploading and editing. Just you know, this is just a consumer camera, right? You know, it it was all, it cost a, a few hundred dollars or something, but it's an HD camera, and um, the audio and video quality you can get out of this consumer what used to be, you know, I, I'm not expressing myself well, but the idea is you can buy a cheap camera now and get video and audio quality out of it that's far better than pro gear would have given you a few years ago right you know? yeah it's, it's quite astounding i kept thinking i i was really resistant to getting a digital camera and kept putting it off because i'm thinking oh i have to pick the right one that'll take really good pictures but then i found like well, you can get a crappy one right. <laughs> and and uh, your crappy digital camera will probably take better pictures than you were taking on film you know right and you and this sort of uh, slight other side of that is that you can get, you know, for a lot of money, but not crazy amount, you know, like $20,000, you can get incredibly, like there's the, the RED camera. Have you ever seen the RED camera or heard of that? No. It's just a digital camera that that uh, people like Steven Soderbergh use. 
Oh uh, yeah. They, you okay. know, there have been films that have been released, and they they're just you know shot on di- shot all digital. Yeah, but on pretty cheap cameras. You know. Yeah. Well, relatively, relatively cheap. <laughs> yeah. I mean, right. I can't I can't get one, but. Right. Um. There there are some like shoulder mounted Canon uh, that you know um, camcorders, digital camcorders, and all that that are uh, you know incredibly good as well, and mm. they're you know under you know in the in a in the range of a couple thousand not not twenty thousand you know so i don't know it's it's uh it's interesting but but strangely we haven't i mean i know there have been some uh you know there have been a handful of kind of um maybe things shot with cheap cameras uh that have crossed a bit into the mainstream there's a there's a bjork film called dancer in the dark did you yeah yeah i've heard of that i haven't seen it that's it's a neat story it's really really dark and grim you might like it <laughs> but um the uh the extras show how they shot it and mm. it was shot with something like a hundred uh this was a few years ago but like a hundred cameras a hundred small uh digicams you know wow. and so you have these sequences in which people are moving around in these big outdoor settings and the view is constantly shifting because mm. it was pieced together from from literally you know i don't know if it was 100 it was a lot <laughs> from many many separate uh points of view mm. you know so uh, it's a neat film like a very dark story a weird musical with Catherine Deneuve <laughs> mm. <laughs> but uh dark story but it been interesting technically so yeah, don't don't uh, show it to your son. <laughs> it features a hanging and other oh, grim, yeah. Yeah, grim, grim things like that. Uh, so, well, that's that's really cool. Uh, I uh, I'm sorry I haven't gotten a chance to see that play and probably won't get out there anytime soon. But it sounds cool. It sounds oh, it's all right. Yeah, it's all right. <laughs> yeah. So I haven't listened to it yet, but I'm also pleased to see you. You got. Uh, Finally got to finish the um, Adam's Motion in the Void, sort of the fi- uh, the five episode series that's on that you're posting through the subscription basis. Yeah, the fifth one, the fifth story is just put. Actually, there's one more after that. This, be, the sixth one will be the sort of finale episode. Oh, yeah. so it's a six part, five part series. Yeah. Well, okay. Yeah. Well, according <laughs> to you, according to me, it's always been six. Oh, re- oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I thought it. I'm sorry. I miss. I misread. I thought something from the beginning that it was going to be five. Oh, that's okay. That's, uh, that's my that's, kind of mistake. Okay. I'm, maybe I. Maybe I have. Maybe I've called it a five-part series before. Yeah. Well, you, you know, if you're a computer scientist, you count from zero anyway. Oh, right. So yeah, uh, it it will end with forty-five. Oh, we'll end with okay. It'll end so, with forty-five. Yeah, it starts you know with forty. What? I count, goes to I, forty-five, and then has that uh, problem. And that's of not being five minus zero. <laughs> <laughs> right. Five minus zero equals six. <laughs> something, yeah. Right. Something like that. Yeah. If you're a com- if you're a computer scientist. Hmm. Anyway, sorry. And it, well, so, okay. So I look forward to <laughs> part six too, and I haven't yeah. even heard part five. Part four. My, anyway, so uh, uh, I I wanted to to talk a little bit maybe on the problem and question of of getting feedback mm. on your work 
Because uh, I know this is probably something you experience too. You know, you make this stuff and you put it out there. And I, I know you you won an award for this play, but you talked about um, in your uh, one of your meanders, uh, you talked about uh, feeling a little uncomfortable with sort of the circumstances of of winning that. Oh uh, yeah, because it was basically a poll, and you you weren't sure that you know. Anyways, but that's that's an example well, of say one piece yeah. of feedback that you're not you're not sort of sure about its reliability yeah well it's i mean it was the the my first play was nominated for the same uh the seacoast awards which yeah takes into consideration all the different plays in new hampshire um and uh, i was nominated for the same thing best play best original script and best actor um and i didn't win any of those and i knew i knew i wasn't going to the first, you know, for Adam's motion, avoid the play, the first one, um, <clears throat> because there is just a popularity kind of vote. Um, yeah, yeah. And I really felt like um, if I'm going to win anything, it probably should be for that one because it's, 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 you know, better, I guess. Uh, so, and then my radio friend, uh, Ron, Ron Bennington from the Ron and Fez show, actually came out to see this uh, second play, Whisper Premier Room, he didn't tell me, he just showed up and was just sitting there, which is like the sketch artist type of distraction. So all <laughs> right. of a sudden I walk out there and I'm starting my thing and there he is, you know, sitting in the front row with a... It's like uh, seeing Ho- Howard Stern at your wedding or something yeah, like that. Yeah, it just doesn't make sense. <laughs> and I kept staring at him trying to <laughs> reimagine that he was somebody different. Um, but because he went and he really liked it, he, he pushed it on his radio show. You know, he said, and it's still, this is a by popular vote, so you could go online and vote. And yeah. You know, the highest. So he pushed it on his radio show, and I, I basically won, I think, because of that. So he had a large number of people who hadn't seen it, but who Probably, liked, yeah. remembered you from the Ron and Fez show and liked you and whatnot. Or just were doing what he was saying, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's hard, to, I mean, it's it's hard to feel... You know, sometimes you get feedback and you feel that it's a little unreliable or that it's not, um, you know, fully uh, sensible, I guess. Yeah, well, I think that the the thing about feedback is that you just, it doesn't, there's almost no such thing, you know. Um, in, in a, because even if it's, even if it's good and it's true, it's, there's a, I don't know. There's a, there's a part of it that you just it, it's not necessary and uh, I, like with any with anything I ever do, I just want to know if it's working or not. You know, it's just a function as a story, and then yeah. and then each story, you know, sometimes they're good and sometimes they're not, and and sometimes they're better than you could ever have imagined. But you don't have a lot of control over that. You can't just go, okay, I'm going to write my best story now. Right, right. That uh, I'm just going to tweak it. Right. Do you ever do you ever feel like you have to? Uh, Sometimes you have to slog through sort of a less good thing or finish something that's oh, on, your, yeah, definitely. on your plate before you can maybe move on to something that you hope will be better. Yeah, well, there's, you know, it's like um, that's that's the, you, you kind of have to rise and fall in, in, inside of all that stuff. I, I mean, if you're writing a book or whatever you're working on, there are going to be parts that either you don't understand them as well as you might or you know you haven't 
in order to get to the next part that's whatever in your mind because you consider it the better part you, you yeah. almost have to me mechanically create some little structure to get you there and that little structure may not be such a great thing it may be you know it but if right. it serves the purpose and everybody stays there with you then you get to the other thing and it's worth it and maybe to connect from a which maybe was a good thing to to see which you also think is a good thing b will can be mediocre it can be okay as long as i guess as long as um maybe that mediocrity isn't as detected you know you kind of <laughs> you kind of hide it in some well, ways so i think some of the uh, the episodes of the six stories probably are like that you know oh well i don't i don't feel that they're like that well, you but don't, I, you don't I, have to but it's just that's how that's how i feel i mean i feel I, like there's parts of them that are that are like eh, well Oh, well. Well, there, there's always in a story arc it seems like there's always this potential for like a, a a middle third problem yeah like when you watch the two towers movie in lord of the rings uh mm -hmm. the, the the movie version it feels um although it's got its it, they try to end on a high note and they sort of heavily reworked the story for the screenplay so that it would work as a separate film as much as possible. It does feel disconnected, you know, it does feel like, uh, you know, it, it, the art can't end yet, you know, you can't get to a satisfying uh, anything. Right. Well, at it's that a, stage. I think it's just basically, I think it's hard to, um, you know, it's hard to, it's, it's easy to, but it's hard to, it's hard to write a long story. And, yeah. um, uh, and have it always be good. I'm remembering uh, in the the first account in Adam's Motion and the Void, you were uh, you'd probably agree, kind of experimenting with cliffhangers, almost seeing if if you could uh, create a situation you couldn't write yourself out of later. Yeah, I love that idea. Yeah, yeah. I also love the challenge of that. It's kind of, and that yeah. maybe comes from my, you know, when I was younger, watching, you know, the Batman, <laughs> right. Or about to be dropped into a vat of yeah, alligators. Yeah, I love that, or, uh, the impossibility feeling. Right, um, right. That excites me. So, um, so, but yeah, getting any sort of feedback. I mean, yeah. I tend to get, you get feedback like uh, on my YouTube channel for, uh, you know, someone makes just a totally uh, mean and pointless comment, you know, and then everyone else says, very cool. Yeah, and you know, and you say, "Well, what do I do with that? Can I learn anything from that?" But it is, it's like, uh, and then the other kind of feedback I get sometimes is from people who are kind of whining and say, uh, "Say, wow, I wish I had creative ideas." Right, <laughs> and you're like, "It's not about the creative ideas, man." I mean, it's like uh, I've been listening to a podcast by Merlin Mann, where he. Uh, talks a lot about this process of doing creative work and and one of the his points he makes is about writing and talks about how well you know you start by moving your hand yeah all right and you keep doing that you move your hand enough or you make he he uh, has one of these um, Mac keyboards with the old style key switches that make a lot of noise when you type he says it's about you know finishing a, a book or whatnot it's about making clickety clack noises yeah <laughs> that's yeah. at least that's at least the first pass i mean obviously you edit you know but um well i think i think there are certain um there are certain types of things that can that generate more feedback than other types of things yeah you know, like um 
I mean, I don't, I don't get a lot of feedback. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I'm sort of not as. I'm, uh, originally, I wasn't very curious about feedback at all. I mean, I, I you know, I hoped things were good and whatever, but I didn't expect people to say anything. I don't think I've ever really expected uh, much in the way of feedback. And then when I started to get feedback, I started to um, maybe um, consider it more. Like, mm-hmm. oh, I wonder what, you know, so like, you know, today I, you wrote that you were going to listen to uh, AMB 44, and I was like, oh, okay, well, may, maybe he'll tell me something about it. You know, and I wrote, <laughs> I wrote back, well, let me know what you think. Um, well, I'll tell you something about the um, the fake cabin in the woods episode. I, f- I forget the title. Um, the number but, station? Uh, uh, the number station, right. Okay. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> oh, it's been a while, I guess. You don't have to. No, it's okay. But um, the uh, I loved, loved, loved what you did with, I mean, I sound like a, from, from Los Angeles, loved it, loved it, um, what you did with audio in that. Oh, yeah. What, what you did with the little radio voices, mm. with the little tinny machine voices and the distortions and the static and all that, and just um, create a, a, a sonic mental environment. Was was just fantastic, uh, mm. and it stands up to me with a lot of the radio drama that I enjoy the most. Yeah, yeah, I really liked, um, and actually, the the sixth and uh, uh, final episode has uh, actually has built into it an old time radio drama. That, oh, really? That I that I just finished. Um, oh, cool. And it has a lot of that kind of. Uh, sound production and yeah um because i wanted to make it sound like it was old timey and i wanted to kind of catch that old flavor of uh uh you know old it's it's actually an old like uh it's kind of like my version of buck rogers or flash gordon and i know at this point it can't make sense to you <laughs> you don't know why that would be in there but hopefully it does make sense when when you get there that this little 15 minute long uh old-time radio Buck Rogers-esque um, show is in there. but it, it, yeah. it sounds really intriguing. I'm very much looking forward to it. But, so what did you... Um, do you really have a carry recorder? Is that an old... It's an old-fashioned, like, uh, a cassette recorder? I bought one for the, for the first play. Um, uh-huh. But I didn't have one at the time. Um, I'd, I'd done some research. Um, that's email. Uh, <laughs> I did some research um, at the time that I was writing, you know, like AMV, whatever it was, seven or eight, when Sherwin first is given this task to go around recording people for this mysterious stalwart representative. Um, And I found this attractive old-time recording device that I thought he could use. And, you know, it's the Norelco carry quarter, which came out in the 60s or something. And you have a working, it's really a working piece of hardware from the 60s? It doesn't work. But oh, it, okay. it's physically intact, oh. you know, so it looks right. But it doesn't. It's a prop, you know. Okay. So for the first one, I and and that that piece of the story was built into the first play of, yeah. of him going around recording people. So yeah. I bought uh, one on eBay and found an old Norelco carry recorder and nice. Yeah. So it's too bad that it doesn't work though. But so how did you get? Um, what did you do? Uh, maybe this is boring for some people, but what did you do technically to get the sound of a 
of a messed up uh, old tape or you know the and these radio reception um hmm what did i do i'm uh, i'm i'm really uh forgetful and i'm mostly remembering what i did for the sort of create the old the old time radio show for the yeah for this last segment um well, there, just to refresh your memory so let's say specifically like the um You've been listening to Adam's Motion in the Void segment that that's uh, heard like in the closing over the. Uh, it's I mean it's heard repeatedly. You're listening to like a, a uh, Sherwin is listening to a tape loop and then the thing comes on and it's supposed to be his his moment to uh, broadcast his numbers, right? Oh yeah. Um, and you're asking like, what was the? How did I create the or the sound for the the kind of introduction to that or? Yeah, just curious. Um, well, you know, sometimes you know, I'll I'll even record into my uh, I have a BlackBerry, so uh-huh. I'll, I'll record it onto that, and then I'll just hold the BlackBerry up to the microphone up to, the, to get a tinny to get a tinny. Yeah, sound. and on in on Adobe Audition, I don't know what you use to to record with. I think you told me, but I don't remember. I, I use Logic, but that's just because that's, right. that's what I'm. I've had had it ever since, like version, you know, upgrading th- from version three on or so. So I'm most most experienced with it. But that's the, what they all do. The Adobe Audition. I imagine a lot of the uh, maybe Pro Tools. I don't know much about your that one. Um, there are a lot of different uh, audio tweak settings you can do, and and one of them is a um, you can take a bit of audio and turn it make it sound like a walkie like a walkie talkie so yeah it'll just process it and so it's a, like that it's like a plug-in or a preset yeah so i use that and then maybe some other things and because there's also like um it sounds like the pitch is shifting too, like a tape running down yeah know? that's another plugin. okay yeah yeah i'm are, sure yeah. i'm sure i could find like if i were to do that either in live or in um Logic, I could figure out. There's there's all kinds of tools for messing with audio. You know, more to make audio sound bad than to make it sound good, really. <laughs> yeah, it usually sort of doesn't um, improve it. Yeah, but it, it in that case, it, you right. don't want to, right? So, yeah. but um, I'm just curious. How, yeah, you just I, I, I just messed around. You know, I looked or I did I just applied the different plugins to see what they sounded like, and and then found something that I liked. Uh, and a, there's this little little doodly melody that sounds very convincing as something you might see at the here at the top of the hour on a shortwave station. I may know. have stole stole it. Oh really? Yeah. I, mean, just, <laughs> I mean, sometimes I make those things, but if I find something that just yeah. really sounds right, I'll just take it and yeah. and hope that nobody cares. No, no one usually, complains. Nobody, nobody <laughs> usually cares. I mean, if I was making not, money, a lot of money or something, not, maybe. Yeah, not a tiny little interstitial, uh, I hope not. Yeah. 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 Oh, okay. Well, that, anyway, so so I, I just thought, and then there's um, one of the asides you have, Sherwin, uh, wandering around the cabin environment, musing to himself about the the same thing. And so, and after you've heard that, it's, it's really... Um, interesting to get into that and and you're in this space and it's so i always find it fascinating how little the radio drama actually has in it and how much you make of it you know Mm, that's just a fascinating process i mean i was listening um to the hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy radio series because uh 
we were carpooling to take my son to school, and he has a, a nerdy friend who's getting a ride with him, and I was playing these old episodes, and stuff is just, you know, really, if you think about it, stuff is just barely suggested or hinted at by yeah. the sound. You know, it's like, oh, here's a computer noise, and here's a, another character talking, and that's it. And suddenly you're in a spaceship, right. you know, you're in a spaceship talking to a depressed robot. <laughs> well, it's weird. It's it's sort of like oh, that's that's the that's the, the that's the visual almost. Yeah. Absolutely, it just yeah. pops the visual into place, and then it goes away, and you don't need it to constantly be beeping or <laughs> right, or right. whatever. Yeah, um, it it doesn't even have to. I know, like when they do a spaceship environment um, in a Trek movie or something like that, or Next Generation, there are these sort of. Uh, it's almost subsonic low thrumming noises they put sort of in the foley. You yeah. Know? yeah. And it's just uh, enough to suggest that there's these powerful uh, engines. Right. Yeah. Just out of sort of, uh, just sort of out of your conscious uh, yeah. hearing. I use that in the, the little, <laughs> my little yeah. old time radio thing, just that a little bit of that. Nice. Low rumbling going through space sound, which probably doesn't exist. Right. <laughs> well, are, are they don't, are they swishing? <laughs> I think I heard way? that uh, there's no you don't there's no, no there's no sound in space. No, no. Actually, if you're you've seen Babylon Five, I'm sure at least bits of it. Uh, I yeah, I've seen I've seen them maybe ten minutes. Well, so when they have a space battle, uh, you don't hear, you know, uh, it doesn't sound like a stupid uh, dive bomber. Right. I kind of yeah. like it when it sounds like. <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> even though it's that, not true. I like that's, it. It's like the most, uh, probably the, the, the famous example being the opening to the original Star Trek when you have the ship flying by the camera. Yeah. During, you know, the credits and you hear this whoosh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah we, can, we can't tolerate what is, which is right, silence. It's right. impossible. But they did, uh, in at least in some shows in Babylon 5, when they have um, space battles, they have uh, the ship's, more or less behaving with uh, Newtonian physics. Mm. In other words, to um, to slow down, they have to turn around. They have to fire their thrusters to rotate, and then fire their jets to you know uh, the opposite direction to mm. decelerate. Mm. So uh, it's it's uh, that's something I don't to know admire. Whether it's yes. it's better. Yeah, it's it's um, they do it consistently, and so it's uh, it it seems it seems cool, right. but. Um, then it's also a suspension of disbelief thing because their um, computer graphics from that generation, I think video toaster graphics, look now, if you really look at it, it's like wire, practically wireframe images, yeah. you know, very, uh, very low resolution, very few uh, polygons and all that. But, you know, when I watch it, I'm not really thinking of that. I mean, I think you can put up with anything, you know. Yeah. It, yeah. it doesn't have, if, if the story's working and the characters are right, it, yeah. You know, it's like Doctor Who sort of or the old ones. Sure. It can right. look it can look lousy and you're just in it, you know. So yeah, that's that's something about Babylon 5 is they created this real political intrigue story arc. It's very Shakespearean, you know, mm. uh, sort of in, in like the uh, in a King Lear kind of way, mm. you know. Uh, it's a very cool arc if you've not if you've not seen it. I know you I, re- I read about it and I, I became interested in it because I, I I know people really like it and I did try it sort of as a thing and I only but I, I only watched like ten minutes and it just didn't grab me and that's not enough uh, uh, time 
Um, yeah. But it was there's something I I don't know what else maybe Battlestar Galactica. Uh, I was checking that out the new one and uh, yeah. that just grabbed me much more by the throat. You mentioned um, you mentioned the Stargate Universe. Yeah. Yeah. See, we see we don't get cable, but we do uh, occasionally buy a box set of DVDs and then work our way through them slowly. You know, when the kids aren't making so much noise, we can't hear anything. Right. But so you kind of liked, you were intrigued by the uh, like the the look of the world of of Stargate Universe, at least when it's not Vancouver. Well, I like uh, I even Vancouver. I li- I like the. Um, uh, you know, I think I'm just sort of a sucker for the uh, the kind of castaway story. Yeah. Um, yeah. And um, that that was that's a great castaway story. It's a bunch of people. It's a little, you know, and, and they're trillions of galaxy miles away from Earth, and they can never get back home. And uh, yeah, I mean, there were a lot of problems with that show, but um, yeah, I've I've we're only. Um we had watched the first half of season one, and we then I got a box of the whole first season because they released it in like uh, two parts, mm. and now you can buy the whole season. But I haven't seen any season two, and we're three quarters of the way through season one, and it's it's intriguing. I mean, it's it does sort of it's always um, almost a hazard to watch shows like that back to back, right? Because you get a little time, and you're like, oh well, let's just put on the next one. Well, if you do that, you sort of watch two, three episodes in a row. Um, sort of the 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 um, fakeness of the whole, the way that stories are constructed to be crises, right? Feels like oh, another crisis that's not so compellingly different from the previous crisis, right? Yeah, when you can start to feel the the kind of the moving parts and the guts, yeah, you know, where you know the last uh, three minutes. The enormous crisis, which climaxed at minute, you know, forty-one, right. gets taken care of. You start that rhythm becomes bothersome and becomes it way does. too transparent. It does, but if you if you yeah. you know if you're watching it in real time over the course of the weeks, you know, like a week goes by, you watch another one, and it, and it it doesn't feel that you know you don't feel that quite so keenly, I guess. Well, I think if um, I think one of the problems with that with with Stargate. And something that would have uh, really alleviated that that sensibility of uh, you know this this rhythmic storytelling is is if we we had a much better, stronger, clearer um, sense of of the whole arc. You know, if we were into the whole story arc of where this ship was going, and we're right. building toward that instead of the episode by episode, you know, and yeah, and that yeah. Uh, if you do that longer, that bigger arc, and that can always be felt in every story, I think uh-huh. that you erase that that feeling of rhythmic the pulsation boundaries. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh-huh. even though it's still there, you're still you're sort of there's a part of you that's carried by that that longer term arc, and you're I going with it like Lost or something else. It might be. I mean, I don't want to you know say you have to do this or have to do that, but I found that that. Um, Watching Babylon Five, all all of it was really worthwhile because the, I'll uh, definitely try it. I'll try it because the the uh, there is a story arc, and in fact, um, there are hints in 
early seasons of things that play out and you so you do have a sense of these prophecies and things that you think are going to happen right and and they do you know now it has same thing with like a i don't know what it is about science fiction shows getting canceled i guess they just don't earn enough but um then the the writers often have to scramble so like babylon 5 they thought they were canceled they had to quick uh, try and resolve a bunch of storylines and then they weren't canceled and then they had to come up with another year and extend mm-hmm. the story and try and fill out you know more of the anyway, and it gets complicated but i can't imagine being you know it's it's like the writing act itself the writing plan is so secondary to the business model that it's hard to uh it's hard to imagine what that would feel like to be scrambling to complete a season to be completed you know complete a a story arc like okay we have we have to tell the rest of the story now otherwise we'll be remembered as the the show that just ended yeah that, that <laughs> would be, that would be so uh i i can't imagine working on a show <clears throat> that that gets uh, canceled prematurely and you don't quite get to you know you, you know if like lost or any show like that got canceled before you can finish explaining what it is yeah I mean, stargate universe ends um actually ends in a pretty satisfactory way does it but i think they had to rush too because they didn't they did they, and they, they sort of ended in a um they they almost it's almost like one of those uh what's that you game can, with you the can three spoil cups? it if you want i i haven't seen it yet but you're welcome uh, it's kind of it. like they just sail off into the distance uh-huh. um but in a fair a fair way um i mean they did a really good job resolving all the unresolvables by yeah. hacking everything in ice in a in a way that you can accept. Okay. Um, but but I imagine that must have been frustrating because they were building such a uh, you know we're going to the we're, we're going to find out the mystery of the of the universe. Yeah. And that's where they're sort of building towards like God's plan or something like that. I and, do yeah. I do love the the look of the the show and I don't know whether it's just like trendy now but to have like these dark sort of gritty sets where it looks like the hardware is kind of falling apart I just kind of sucker for that. Oh, I love know? that too. Yeah. 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 I I could only, yeah. I I don't know. I mean, people complained a lot about how dark it was, but I like it. That's, I wish I it was darker and dirtier. I mean, <laughs> I read a, an interview with Robert Carlyle who plays the Nicholas Rush yeah. Um, oh, he's he's an he's, he's an, quite a character, an amazing actor. He's super. Um, yeah. But he said one of the reasons that he signed on, part, one of the reasons he signed on was because he said Hollywood is kind of a wasteland. He'd been attached to dozens of movies and they all fell through. And there's just wow. There's just nothing, you know, unless it's whatever Green Lantern or it's just really hard to to get a job in in Hollywood that you know that pays and then comes to fruition. Just there aren't that many movies being made, but uh, the, one of the things that drew him to Stargate was he—he he was really into this idea of, you know, these people are stranded on this spaceship, and um, that they just—he—he was—he was told that they would all sort of progressively get filthier and dirtier, and you know, right. beards would grow, would grow and hair would never be cut. That never came true. You know, they they stayed no, they stayed they, relatively attractive. Yeah. Well, uh, I'm looking at their their clothes, and you're thinking, well, they do show um, Colonel Young, you know, darning his socks. I know they try. They try. And to, there there are there's like um, 
someone's uh, I forget which character it is they have a shirt that during the intro they were injured in yeah and so it's got blood stains all over it and they stay and that's right. like I'm really happy that that's there at right. least I, I really wish there was much more clothing uh, deterioration continuity though <laughs> yeah the course of a yeah. couple of years just these things falling off there that would have been that would have been nicer because they probably had to I don't know if uh, they had to have you know like 10 of each item yeah they looked I mean they always looked refreshed yeah you know, yeah they, it does I was noticing that like the t-shirts weren't getting ratty yeah and I know faded. that they, they showed them you know the showers they discovered showers and they were you know, like the darning of the socks. Yeah. yeah. You'd see somebody washing clothes or something like that, but still. But they wouldn't have, you know, tied with bleach, right? Yeah. So. <laughs> no, they wouldn't. Mm. So. Hey, uh, I have to uh, visit the restroom for a moment. Oh, take okay. A, take a short break? Sure. Okay. Yeah. Hold on. I was born and prayed. I took her down there. She said. <laughs> it's sorry a, you were dr- you were dropping out on me so i couldn't sing along oh you know what i've tried to do this on skype and it's just it's really really hard just uh, the latency has the, to be the odd, latency right? makes it odd i did I, I have jammed with people a little bit in like um ustream and at one mm. point, I was—I remember trying to add like uh, add guitar solo over like a uh, like a techno loop that I was playing, and uh, there was maybe a seven-second delay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so it was very. Uh, I know there's, a, there's there are a couple of uh, software things uh, programs that are like I don't know jam bass or something like that where it, the, it's supposed to allow musicians to collaborate online. Now, I've tried them, but they, they just doesn't seem like it works yet. Doesn't seem like it works. There's I'm supposed to be able to get, uh, I have a really, I'm actually really fortunate. In Ann Arbor, I couldn't get a fast, a really fast internet connection. I could get, I mean, a cable modem, but it was like three megabits or something. And here I'm, I have a different service in Saginaw, and I'm able to get like close to 20 and wow. it's, so it, it's great. I mean, I, I I need really as much as I can get for work because when I'm synchronizing like huge software, you know, downloads and checking in stuff and all that, it it takes a lot of uh, bandwidth. But um, but you know, I also enjoy it for for all the other stuff too. But I'm also told they now will offer sixty. And I want to I kind of talk to them and see if I can really get sixty because it seems like if you were that if you really had 60, 60 megabits, megabytes a second, megabits a second, that um, if you really were close to a good connection, like a, a good backbone connection, uh, you ought to be able to do any kind of live streaming with very little latency. Mm. Um, so I have to look into that and see if that's possible. I, I, I still have DSL, and I don't know what that is, but it's not. It's 300 kilobytes a second or something. Yeah. Wow, that's... Um, <laughs> well right. it's better than it's better than a modem is that dsl is uh, that what it is it could be uh, it oh. could be yeah but i um, don't even know anymore when we switched from cable to to this uh 
to stop paying attention and hoped it was good enough. Yeah. Well, it just, it means your sort of, your connection is less live. I mean, but it it must be pretty decent because your, you know, your uh, voice connection isn't degrading. Right. But it's more a matter of like, how long does it take you to download a a big video or stream a big video? Yeah, it's pokey. I mean, YouTube is a little slow. Yeah. There's always buffering and... And then they're really, uh, the, the cable modem connections, the services they set up are really designed so that you get uh, a big chunk of bandwidth down and like a tenth of yeah, that right. back up. Right. And Why is that? So, well, I don't know, but it's interesting that they're really oriented towards you being more a consumer than a producer. <laughs> right. It just seems like it would switch. You know, if they, they, you, get a, you would get an overall amount yeah. of bandwidth and then you could... If you're uploading, you could use all of it if you wanted to, or if you and if you went online, you you know you'd sort of split it a little bit. Yeah, I, I I couldn't tell you. I think that yeah. you know maybe they just determine that what most people are doing with that bandwidth is you know streaming a Netflix video or something like that, and so they allocate more of their pipe to that kind of thing because that right. keeps people satisfied with their service. So did you do you did you get Netflix back? Do you still have that? No, you no. did cancel. What yeah. about the download? What about the? I still feel bad about oh, that. Oh, no, you know <laughs> what? I, I, you know, I listened back. I was uh, you may I, I've sort of chatted with you about this, but uh, you know, uh, a little bit uh, in text form, but um, I'm not always sort of well mentally. <laughs> right, and um. Uh, I, listening back to our first interview chat, I'm, I don't know, I, it's almost disturbing to me how horrific it is. You should never, <laughs> you should never listen back. I, th- that's, I think that's, that's like, probably true. That's my true. own rule about everything. Yeah. Don't, don't ever, um, don't spend any time paying attention to yourself. Uh, yeah, well, I, I, there's something to that because it's really easy to just obsess about how, right. how much you suck. <laughs> you can't you can't listen and so, you just have you know you have to always remember too yeah um you know most people every, don't care most people don't care and everybody's pretty much the same yeah that that's <laughs> you know? these are things my this, father actually taught me he said you know don't worry so much that people are paying so much attention to you but most people are paying attention to themselves and uh, anyway yeah. but I, I i did try and take a, a side like take a few little lessons out of that good because, because i'm always teaching <laughs> <laughs> I hope you learned because well not not just from you specifically but just from that occasion yeah. you set up an occasion and then you fall on your face or you know yeah. not I mean so the lessons I try to take from it well I told you also I hadn't but if you had lessons from because you didn't fall on your face well I, I, I got I got feedback from our talk and people really liked it they did okay yeah well but the the um and they people said that you were really good oh well, that's yeah. that's not, that's great to hear. So, does that erase anything for you? Well, let me tell you what what I sort of take out of it, which is I, I mentioned I hadn't um, done anything resembling a formal interview in a long, long time, right. and probably I shouldn't have even tried to make it a formal interview because I'm actually having a lot more fun in our chat today. I don't I don't think there's any good interviewer that's ever. I mean, maybe there's some really good people who are do the formal interviews and they're just gifted at it but it's its own form it's like classical music it it is you know? it's like i guess you'd call it the art of conversation 
Yeah, they're, and most of the interviews I like don't have any rules. You know, they don't have just, any rules. They go. They follow the flow yeah, of what's... Yeah, conversation. Yeah, but, you know, like, if you listen to Terry Gross, the way she structures an interview and, and then the way it's edited, I mean, she does a great job. She really gets into what she wants to get into. But yeah, they got to question the sort of artificial structure imposed on that. NPR is its own, and, and all the, that's its own land. Yeah. And the people yeah. that do that stuff are in their own channel yeah. of... Of, of thought and operation. Well, so what yeah. what I what I got in in my own feed. I mean, I'll try to try not to listen to it back too quickly and give it. Uh, but uh, I I'm interrupting you an awful lot, and I'm talking more than I should. And so today I'm trying to. Uh, I was nervous, you know, and today I'm trying to uh, make more of an effort to listen and chat and not. And you also heard my ego a lot jumping in and saying, Ooh, I know, you know, something about that. Ooh, I, you know, and, you know, trying to do that less. Ugh, so that's just, that's just how it goes. And then I stuck in, uh, I wasn't like, I stuck in a whole lot of audio clips and some of them were yeah. maybe clever and, and helpful, but, um, without being able to actually set them up, they sound like they're constantly just interrupting and cutting off <laughs> the conversation. Well, I, I mean, I, I didn't listen to it. Yeah, probably, you know, probably, so for, I, probably for I the can't, best. Uh, I can't comment on it, but, you know, yeah. you just do your best. Yeah, well... And, and it's also, this isn't, you know... This, this isn't... Nothing's a, that critical. It's not getting a letter grade. Yeah. <laughs> it's also, you know, a lot of it is, you know, if I make... This, and this is something I've only, you know, I've learned, uh, I wouldn't say recently, but in the last 10 years or something, um, you know, you, there's no such thing as really figuring it out. And there's no, you, you just, and when when I make mistakes or anything, you know, like I'll, I'll write uh, these, uh, the AMV stories I write, them, and usually I'll have my wife listen or read them, yeah. read the stories. And uh, she's a really good barometer, uh-huh. and she'll tell me if it's good or bad. And I don't care if if she says it's bad. I'm I'm happy that she says it's bad. Mm-hmm. If she says this is this isn't, I don't know what you're talking about. Where are, where are you going with this? And because I all I'm interested in is like making it work, making it work uh, for the listener. So I don't get feel yeah. shitty about myself if yeah. if I didn't write something that you know knocked her socks off. Yeah. Well, and I'm just yeah. So and I just think like that kind of stuff. It's the the true trick is to learn how to recognize where you know maybe that you're putting too much of your ego in or the clips and stuff like that. Just go okay. Well, I don't want to do that, but don't feel bad about it. Yeah. You know, you just bring well, it to the next thing, and you just you do it differently. But that's that's what where I mean structural. that's really where I where I try to be at least, and I'm getting a little better at it. As I'm saying, well, what can I what can I learn to do maybe a little differently? You know, not like I'm just going to beat myself up about it. So, yeah. But, yeah. Uh, but no, I mean, you know what? I enjoyed it and I'm really happy that, uh, that That's I did it and just, I put it out. Yeah. But I, when I listen to it now, I do grit my teeth a little bit and say, I would have been better if I had done this, but there's no, it's just like one binary digit of data. You know, it's like one bit right. of data for the future is say, try, right. try doing it differently this time. Yeah. So anyway, all right. So um, you got a few more minutes. I've been uh, using oh, yeah, up a I'm lot fine. of your time. Okay, I have to. Uh, I don't. I don't have. I'm just. You know, I did my thing for the day. You did your. So you. What's your. What is your day like? I mean, you. Um. You do these 
paid work, these paid pieces, but um, you're not off every day to a day job. No. Um, and that's a, that seems like a great, a great gift for a creative type. <laughs> it, it's good and it's bad, you know. Yeah. I, you know, we don't have very much money. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and, um, you know, like, I don't know, it's going to be hard for me to mail out the, ne- the next uh, bu- bucket of CDs. Yeah. Because it costs, you know, just the postage to mail out the, wow. those things is a lot. Um, so I have to like, I'm waiting for some uh, money to come in. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, you, know, you, you, just, you posted, you were talking about, um, money on uh, Facebook and I, I would love to say that I'm great with money and because, you know, I, I, I have a day job as a senior software engineer and I've been doing this for 20 years. And so I have what seems like should be a quite a generous salary, but you know, we have five kids, and we bought a new house, and uh, we're trying to maintain two cars and medical make, bills. Medical bills, and it's just. I've read, uh, I've read your Facebook post. Oh I've God! Seen, I've seen your bills listings, and I I can't even read them after a while. I'm just uh, like, Jesus. I'm sorry to be so. Uh, no, no, it's not a burden. Per- it's not. Pers- a, it's not personal. like a painful. I, you know, thing Grace reminds me that when Lord. I, Grace reminds me that when I talk, if I gripe about money, uh, some people will. Uh, well, take this as a problem they need to try and help me solve. Either hmm. by, they think I'm either begging for money or they want to give me financial advice. And like, no, I don't I, actually I want either. I just sort of uh, am venting. You know, it's not very useful. But I take it more as the, the amazingness of, of uh, the intersection between people and the world and money. Yeah. You know, it's like, <laughs> look at this crazy world we live in. In some kind of way. Yeah. And I don't know how to fix it, but, uh, you know, when you're trying to make it and you're doing your best and, yeah, you know, and the world of uh, uh, whatever is standing there always asking for a lot more money than you can You can, <laughs> you can cough up, I know. Then it's, it's just, it's, and it, it's worrisome. It's always, it's always a puzzle and a struggle. I've never been very good with money and... I'm always, I have my little addictions and fetishes, I guess, because I do wind up able to spend some things on myself, but then I usually regret it when something else goes uh, awry, you know, mm. like yeah. uh, I, I, I kind of, I have, uh, my weaknesses are like um, our books mostly. Mm. So I still, even when I know that, things are going to be piling on and still need me to, uh, uh, you know, I still wind up getting a couple books a month that maybe I shouldn't have, shouldn't have bought. So you should, you know what, you shouldn't feel bad about, and I, when I say like a book, I don't mean a paperback. I mean, like sometimes I track down, uh, I do this uh, on Abe. I track down out of print books and sometimes they're expensive. So I'm, I'm not, you know, this sort of confessional, I'm, I'm not, um, I'm not broke for good reasons, I guess. <laughs> sometimes. Right. Sometimes I am. Sometimes. Yeah, but what are you going to do? You're not going to go on Abe and not going to, you know, yeah. those little those little things. It does feel like I, I used to have a terrible borders habit where when I was, you know, 20 years ago, I was single living in an apartment, had my first good paying job after college. I would come home with bags full of books, you know, and um, that was a, that was no good. Uh, just because, you know, 
it was even I read quickly, but it was even you know piling up faster than I could read them, which is kind of stupid. And and I never fully embraced the uh, sort of the library concept, I guess. <laughs> yeah, that's um, so. That's something I understand, though. You know, the, there's a difference between you know renting a book and and then sort of owning it. There's a, yeah. You know, I think there's a there's a um, uh, some people have a that intimate connection with books where it's almost like a friend, <laughs> and uh, you know you don't want to get rid of your friend. Yeah. After even after you finish, you just kind of want that friend hanging around right. like a pet or you know <laughs> something that can just endure uh, alongside you for the rest of your life. Yeah. Uh, though um, I've probably gotten rid of in various moves and periods of unemployment over the you know the long arc of the last twenty thirty years or so that probably gotten rid of more books than most people ever will own. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because various purges. You know, like a Stalinesque kind of. Okay, it's time to thin the herd. Mm. Because I, I remember when I was in high school, we lived in sort of a, a creaky somewhat old house that maybe wasn't constructed it was like the previous owner had built parts of it and made additions and whatnot maybe wasn't built up to the very best that uh, modern building codes had to offer and um, at one point I I was sort of living in a bedroom on one end of the house and I had uh, that's my office phone which is probably a spam call that's me I'm calling you are you (laughs) Yeah. But uh, at one point the floor collapsed under my the corner of my bedroom and allegedly it was because we had like beetles in the supports under the house but I think it had certainly had something to do with the fact that I had like five heavy bookcases on that on that wall. Oh, Paul. Hundreds of pounds of books. So <laughs> anyway, I did want to Give your guitar in your arms the whole time. Yeah, it's sitting on my lap. It's sort of mm. a it's sort of a security blanket, maybe. Mm. Um, That's nice. <laughs> it's a it's a twelve string. Uh, I think it's a, it's the, it's the one from the video, right? It is the one from the video. Yeah, it's very pretty. It is a pretty yeah. guitar. It's it needs a little work. Um, I got it on eBay, and there's like a brace under the top that is a little loose, mm. and so certain notes it kind of buzzes funny. Oh, yeah. It would be nice to get that fixed, but uh, that's uh, like there's a million low priority would be nice things in your life like that, right? <laughs> like, mm. although it's so not, what, did, what, did, what did you think of your uh, what did you think of your song? What did I think of my song? Um, yeah. I th- thought today is not the day. Today is not that day. So the challenge the challenge was to write a, a happy song about death. Mm. And um, this was sort of left over from a previous round of contests where. Uh, there was like a, um, it was going to be a two-parter, I think. The first one was write a sad song about a birth, mm. which turned into these really tragic stories, right? Mm. It's like the Hemingway thing, you know, uh, for sale, baby clothes never worn, you know? Yeah, right. Um, but uh, I, uh, I don't know. I, I, this is on my podcast, but... Um, I have been working really, really crazy hours for the last 10 weeks or so, and we had a new baby. And I didn't get to take time off for the new baby, and I had to finish this deadline for work. And I say had to, but these are always like choices. You know, would I have quit or something, or I don't know, um, or pushed back? 
But um, I, I was going to record it last week for the contest, didn't get to, wanted to take three days off and record it, and um, did it this week instead. And so what I, th- I guess what I think of it is I like the drum concept uh, I played the snare drum right in the studio. I kind of like the way it sounds. Mm. Um, and I kind of, I, I, I like what the vocals are trying to sound like, mm. <laughs> if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I know what you mean. Like yeah. the, uh, I, I, um, the first version just had, uh, just had a double straight vocal and it was sort of a mess with the guitar but it's not, I never know what I'm doing. It's never quite um, riff-based. Like, mm. uh, I has, in this, I, I've tried to do it different ways. In this case, I started with the snare drum because that's sort of what I heard in my head. It actually, that, you know, uh, you, you've seen the Lord of the Rings movies? Yes. There's a scene in Return of the King. And, I don't remember them. Well, I'll, 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 I'll refresh your memory, but... Um, there's a scene where uh, Aragorn is leading the uh, the troops into battle. And is that Viggo Mortensen? Yeah, and he okay. says something like, he gives this great speech, and I think it's pretty verbatim from Tolkien, although they rewrite him a little bit, but um, I think it's pretty verbatim where he says, there may come a day where the armies of men will fall, you know, where, mm. et cetera, we will be plunged into darkness. But today is not that day. Oh, right, okay. And that's... That's, that's um, the battle cry of your song. That's the battle cry of the song. And yeah. I don't... Maybe it's... Um, I, you, you use death as a theme a lot. Mm. And maybe not deliberately, or maybe you don't know that you do, but <laughs> it seems like it's there. And yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, but, Probably. But um, so this is, I have to say, this is uh, like a subject uh, that uh, the challenge felt a little uncomfortable for me and a little difficult. And I guess that's good, you know, but. Um, cause it's well, just, all those kind of challenges will, you know, you never would have written that song. I never would have written that song. And they Otherwise. really push your buttons. I, it was only yeah. a couple of years ago that I lost my mom to cancer abruptly. And right. uh, Grace, you know, Grace's uh, dad abruptly, you know, with with very little time to prepare. And I guess you never get time to prepare uh, for that kind of thing. But it is unnerving, you know, it's right. a little unnerving. And so... Trying to write this, uh, it it failed in that it's not a uh, a happy song, you know. It, but you know what? It's trying. It's it's trying to be. I'm using these uh, suspended chords, where like mm. the the two main chords are E minor and uh, well, except this in a different key, but a, like a suspended second. Which is, um, you hear that in like a lot of traditional church music hmm. when it's sort of trying to convey a sense of like the, the numinous or the eternal, you know, because it's neither major nor minor and it kind of floats. Hmm. It sort of like has this sort of timeless quality. Uh, but um, then it wound up turning into like this uh, Scottish war chant dirge yeah. kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. That's a good way to put it. And so, I don't know, I did want to uh, ask you a little bit about um, about singing. I I've, I had have these conversations with uh, my friend Joe, who really can sing and is 
very experienced uh, performer and um he says these things which i'm never quite sure are uh, are hints that i should stop trying or not and says well some people just can't sing <laughs> and i want to ask well, you how you got into singing and whether you had any uh formal instruction at all um no i i, I didn't and um you know and I'm, I'm i think it's just a very regular regular way of getting into singing just you know, when you're a kid, listening to music and liking the songs and singing them. Yeah. When I was little, I just, I would always just sing by myself. Yeah. You know? But I didn't think I had a good voice. Yeah. And uh, I didn't think I could sing in key or whatever. You know, I, I had all those, those um, negative kind of sensibilities in place based on whatever. I don't know why, why I thought that. But, um, you know, as a, as I. When I was little, I used to like play the piano a lot, but yeah. I never uh, learned how, and we didn't have um, pianos hanging around our house. Um, but just you know, just an interest. It's like any well, anything. I, it was just an interest. It's an interest of mine too, and I I know that I've gotten uh, when I whenever I'm dealing with someone who's actually trained, they tend to glare at me, <laughs> mm. <laughs> or you know, sort of tut tut. And I've gotten, you know, but I, I like singing and um, I know that, you know, I can, it's not like I can't hear when I'm off key, you know, it's not like I can't hear that my pitch wanders. When I, and I did the same thing when I was young, I used to sing along an awful lot with recordings, um, but the recordings that I always sang along with were always uh, heavy metal or hard rock, heavy rock that mm. was sung in falsetto. Right. And so... uh I feel like I used to be able to sing pretty well in falsetto, but uh, since I'm now, you know, in my 40s, my voice just doesn't do that acrobatically anymore. Mm. And, well, and so, like, uh, my ra lower range, I, I don't have great uh, pitch control. I'm naturally almost a bass or, or maybe mm. really a bass. So. I mean, all I can say about all that is I, I'm, I like your voice. Oh. Um, but... I, I like it, but I I don't feel like you found the 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 right way to to use it to use it. And it's like there's a there's a type of a there's like a Paul Pot song out there <laughs> that and it's a style of uh, playing and it's it's sort of like your own way. Yeah, and you're still working toward that. I, I think that's what it sounds like to me. That's that's more than fair. It's kind of like Dylan, true. you know. It, yeah, yeah, your voice will work in your songs, but you don't know what your songs are quite yet. Yeah, and it's just through you know, just through making songs that you'll find it. Yeah, but it's, well, it's that, really that process that that will get you to that place where both the sound of the song and the music that you're playing, they really the lyrics blend. that you're singing. And your voice will all kind of come together to to be rightly expressive. Yeah. You know, and, and it's that's the struggle. I do. I do. I try to find the right range. I try to find like uh, and just the right way to perform the the melody. You know how you make your voice sort of sound poignant or, or spoken or more operatic or more whatever. And there's all these sort of lots of influences out there to. Um, to pile on and and most of them are not right for you you know <laughs> yeah yeah you got to find your own yeah. um little you know it's kind of like trying to find your voice in writing or something yeah well you know, i'll you, you know i'll attach i'll attach the song to the to the uh to the thing but i i don't know i mean it's i don't feel that attached to it because it's uh it's two afternoons work you know 
Yeah. So I put in like uh, the one. Uh, I had terrible, hard like uh, computer problems that caused me to miss my deadline totally. Although I was, I was so tired at that point, I probably wouldn't have gotten it finished anyway. But um, but I got uh, so yeah, I recorded the drums, recorded some guitar stuff, which is not, which almost is more like noodling. It's not really a good riff to build a song around. Mm. And then uh, and then got the the vocals, but it's more like this process of you uh, you do it and then you as you're going you discover what it is you're trying to write. <laughs> so, have you ever heard of uh, Negative Land? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I used to really uh, like them. You know uh, the song 100, 180 in the letter G." Uh, no, I uh, I I was I more like is there any escape from noise kind of uh, oh, stuff yeah. like that. Well, what. When I li- was just listening to the your new song, I, I it reminded me of uh, 180 in the letter G, and the the that's more of a spoken word type of a uh, of a song. Have you it's, heard Have you heard um, any of my other s- stuff uh, on in the the album of uh, songwriting contest songs? No, I couldn't find that page well, that you sent me to. But I and I, I I've only heard one other song that you did, and it was it was way back from. Just when we were sort of starting to get to know each other, uh, like me to something. There's a there's a song I did called "Polly Loves the Rain," and maybe mm. I'll drop in a piece of it. But it's a it's a nerdcore rap, and that was the first original song, besides some instrumental stuff that I ever recorded. And it's a it's a rap song with a mm. with a sung chorus. And I have had people tell me that I should do rap. You know that I should that they liked that. And that I should focus on writing the lyrics and doing more spoken wordish kind of things. Well, you de- you definitely have an unusual voice, but I, and I I and, and when you if you do listen to the Negative Land uh, 180 in the letter G, okay, that's a little that's like an exaggerated version of of, what, of you, uh-huh. and it's not what I'm thinking about. But it reminded me of of this idea of like that you hadn't found your right. Right voice, yeah. Place yeah. like how you're going to express, and like that might not be the right thing, but uh, maybe but an the, idea. Yeah, there's something in there, yeah. like to there's explore. A, the the people I listen to and that I, I like. Um, there's a, a a guy I don't know, pretty much the uh, father of nerdcore rap called MC Frontalot, who uh, basically is a, a middle-aged software geek. Uh, right. At least that's how I imagine him. That's how he portrays himself. And uh, he does these fantastic rap songs, you know, and um, they're funny and goofy and um, nerdy all at the same time. And I'm trying to, some of the stuff I do, I'm trying to feel a little bit like that because that's, that's like, you know, if I were to, so you got like white people rapping and if I were going to be like an authentic rapper, I'd be talking about, you know, C++. Right. <laughs> so. I mean that's totally valid. You know, yeah. it's like uh, trying to realize <laughs> where you're most valid in a kind of a weird way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I've been listening. Oh, I listen to oh, my music collection. Could be uh, taste to call it eclectic is to like make eclectic sound, uh, you know, conventional. <laughs> but uh, I was listening to an album you may have heard 
that I just listening to over and over again recently, first of all, because it's very soothing and things have been kind of stressful around here. But second, it just strikes me as being one of the most beautifully recorded albums I've ever heard. And that's uh, Joni Mitchell album called Hajira. Oh, yeah. And uh, back in back in the day, uh, had such a bizarre record collection. I had uh, like Throbbing Gristle's second annual report on vinyl and a Joni Mitchell album called The Hissing of Summer Lawns. Mm. And uh, just this, like, you know, that's and that's just a, you know, some minor. I would just pick up things, not at random from record bins, but more like, especially cutout and sale bins, more like, does this look interesting? Does it look unusual? Does it look like it might stretch my mind a little bit? You know? And so all kinds of weird influences. That is such a beautifully recorded album, and it's got... Uh, Pat Metheny, I think it has Pat Metheny on guitar and Jaco Pastorius on bass, and he plays just this beautiful, meandering, flowing, fretless bass. And I'd, mm. I'd like to be able to play like that. Not like him per se, but uh, that that good, that well. Mm. You know. Anyway. Well, um, yeah, so uh, I, I keep trying, but that's, that's your... Uh, that's your um, critique basically is well i guess i'd summarize say it doesn't it, it feels like I, I like what i'm trying to do in it and i like sort of the um i was going to try and record some more vocal today but i think i used up my uh my free time um mm. but uh like i like what it's trying to do with the vocal and i i, yeah. I feel like I, I i would do well to work more on that and also, I want to see if I can find a vocal coach. Uh, but the key is finding like the right person who will say, you know what, it sounds like you're trying to sound like this, and so here's how you can do that better. You know, mm. not you need to sound like this. Mm. Um, and I mean, I, I, I really think the key, though, is just being, you know, enjoying it. Enjoying it is definitely the key. And then, and... Um, but I think... Not to, have, and not having much of a... Uh, not having much care for any any result. Yeah, you yeah. know, it's kind of like uh, really loving tennis, but you know, you're never going to go to Wimbledon, right, or something right. like that. But it doesn't. It's not actually limiting you. Maybe you will go to Wimbledon, right? But, but you can't. <laughs> you can't. You can't worry terms. about about Wimbledon when you're practicing. Yes, yeah, right. Yeah, I think it's mo- you know. No. It's mostly just uh, enjoying the actual the the experiencing and, and being rewarded by it you know if you're rewarded by it in some way it's giving you something yeah and that'll just that you'll you know you almost have to you, you almost have to make your own way without without anyone telling you although yeah. I, i'm sure somebody can tell you something that will you know spark something yeah it is um, it comes back to that that problem of feedback so is that do you have any Basically, is that your overall impression of it? It sounds like you haven't quite found your voice yet. Well, I, I think a lot of people. I mean, I don't feel like I've found my. I mean, I feel like I'm still working. I mean, about this, about the song. Um, you asked me what I thought of it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, I'm just I'm just trying to f- I'm trying to frame my sense of um of because there is there is that sense that I, because I think when I listened to it um I thought th- 
there are a lot of elements in like I can feel um I can feel that Paul will that there's a way for Paul to write a a, a song that really hits right mm-hmm. for him. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I don't think that this song did. Yeah, well, um, I, I, mean, I, I recorded still, I liked it, it, recorded it, and then spent like I probably spent more time listening to it afterwards than I did recording it, like trying to figure yeah. out, huh? Well, what worked and what didn't. So yeah, yeah I'm. I'm completely there with that sense that it's not fully it's not fully realized but i mean in some ways it just it it felt um um it felt mental like not mental like crazy but like in your head it was yeah it was a song that um not emotionally like the uh, idea came first or the some it was being controlled by something like i wanted to feel like i'd like to feel like you sat down with the guitar and it just sort just of fell started out. just yeah. started singing you know like you you know like you you played a few times during during the breaks that you know when i've gone downstairs or whatever yeah like if during one of those times you just started singing yeah i you know and i think that if you can do that if you can find an interest in that then you, then you'll you'll figure it out i think that may have uh some piece of advice i read now that basic recently that basically said um that experience for that you need to record well, a lot of it uh, may seem uh, like it doesn't need to come this way, but it really should come from performing, mm. you know, from playing with and in front of people. And, and I think that, that there's something to that. And I, I, I do, I, it's like uh, I I'm, grew up playing guitar and so I'm really comfortable sitting down at a cafe, even in front of people, and, and just uh, improvising something on guitar. Mm. But um, my voice is not like my confident instrument, you know? Mm. So I don't feel... I, it's not like I, I, I do in the shower and whatnot, but I'm not... Um, but yeah, it, it did come about that way, and most of my songs came about that way where I, I wrote them all out. That's not to say I don't like scribble all over them while i'm recording them to change Mm. things up to fit better but um but they are a little like you say uh heady maybe well it only it only felt it felt um it felt like it the the, uh, you know cart before the horse feeling yeah i can i can see that you know like it came out of you know there's the contest idea and then it, it felt like it had that formal quality just not in not through it in any way you know there 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 are parts where it where it frees up yeah um but it's mostly i just i feel like if you can you know i think people want to hear something you know it doesn't have to sound recorded wise it can sound terrible yeah like we were talking about with with video cameras and things like that. right right it's but it's mostly like you know you want to you want to feel the, the 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 livingness of the thing in some place, like it just like it's coming out, you know, uh, as it's supposed to. Yeah. yeah. And that you know, it's hard to give yourself that freedom, um, which is like the freedom of play. <laughs> in some yeah, exactly. It's like, um, have you ever done anything? I mean, you've done the play and the one man play, and that was all written. Have you ever any? done anything resem- more resembling stand-up no 
No. Yeah. I, and I don't think I, I don't think I could. I don't think I'm. I'm not that interested. Yeah, I I, f- I felt this obscure, uh, almost calling to uh, to challenge myself in that way. In other words, to write some material, but then to to get up and and do uh, stand up. You know, not mm. not like a necessarily rid- rigid traditional comedy stuff, but to do that kind of thing. You know, where you're naked in front of an audience. Right. Yeah. Um, and I don't know what, what maybe that's completely. Well, I mean, I think but. you're, you're definitely, you're, you know, you're in that place where you're trying to figure out, you know, who you are and, and, uh, as an artist person. Yeah. You know, where's that, where's the, um, and, and that part is, you know, that it's kind of like that, that whole thing about being a comedian. It's like that has the, that, from my perspective, it seems like it needs to start with a joke, yeah. Not with not with I should try comedy, right? You know, like you should almost come up with a joke that you're like, "Damn, that's a good joke." I need to tell. I have it. to tell these people this joke, yeah. And if 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 that comes first, and you're not, you know, and you haven't, you're not thinking about anything else. I think that's when you're. That's when the 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 compulsion to to carry it forward should come. Yeah. Well, it is like it is like that. I mean, I'm okay. writing bits of this and that and thinking I, I should turn this into more of a monologue, but it's so uh it's so loaded with uh humor or whatnot um that it's feels more like it needs to be a stand-up routine. I mean, you definitely feel like to me that you you have a great desire to express, you know? Yeah. You you yeah. want and it's and you're you know, you're searching for that yeah the the way that that's going to happen and doing all those other things is totally um valid you know doing the stand-up comedy you know me when i did the play that was me exploring whether i'm supposed to do plays yeah and my real answer is probably not or at least that's not going to be your primary uh, yeah specialty yeah Yeah. but it's just it's all exploring and checking it out and Mm. um yeah so what so what uh so but you've what drives you <laughs> to do this? I mean, people, why, why would you do this? Like, why would you oh, forsake time with uh, at, uh, every, everything else? You could be washing dishes, you know, I mean, or something. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I just, uh, it's just, you know, in, in a dark way, it's boredom. I don't, uh, I enjoy, um, you know, yeah. I just enjoy making things. If as I had, opposed to not, I have to um, would almost say that it's uh, uh, it's painful for me not to do things like this. If I if I had to not like someone took my guitars away and said, you know, you have to grow up and you know and be a be an adult and stop playing with your music and whatnot. I I would uh, that would I don't know would it kill me. Uh, it certainly would would rip a big chunk of my joy of living away, mm. you know. Yeah. That that it, there I would there it would be hard I'd be hard pressed to find any any enjoyment in what was left. <laughs> I mean, I I enjoy my life, but there's um, you know, there's a huge part of me that's that has some kind of like uh, um. I don't know what it is. I'm just, it's like, 
it's it's a kind of a curiosity. Is that and it's the... a kind of a hunger, and it's um, it's it's a search for um, a mixture of pleasure and meaning. You know, it's like is that the uh, uh, the part that wasn't uh, have to remind yourself that you're really here and this is really happening? Yeah, in some ways. Yeah, I mean, I don't ever. Yeah, yeah. I always feel like um, things aren't quite exactly what they seem. That they're yeah, not exactly real. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, that's maybe a, uh, we should probably wind up because I've got to, uh, I've got to go uh, deposit a paycheck and um, see what Grace is up to with, I hear the kids making noise downstairs and she's been a saint in uh, like giving me a couple of, of days of afternoons uh, keep, mm. without just demanding, no, you have to come, you know, take care of the kids i'm gonna i'm gonna take a nap (laughs) no it's awesome to get a break um but yeah so and i'm i i have more vacation time i'm trying to take over the next few weeks and this is the first challenge in spin tunes so i'm hoping to do three more oh good although i'm i'm now actually thrown out of the contest for being late i can't uh i'm not eligible to uh, compete anymore but i still can follow the challenges So uh, that'll be cool. And um, it's uh, it's been great talking to you. Oh, thanks. That was really cool. I enjoyed it. Sorry about the mic problem up at the, well, up the front. I'm going to I'll uh, edit most of that out, leave just the notes okay. so people can hear what's going on. But, um, okay. But so then, I'll, um, I'll uh, save this up and send you the file? Yeah, it, it worked great good? last time just as an MP3. It sounded fine, and I'll either okay. put it up in in one part or two parts it's pretty long so maybe maybe two parts but okay. um if you uh if you ever uh can th- you know, think your way clear you've got a thing you've uh, written or in progress and you'd like to try uh collaborating with a with a guitar part or something i would be i, I messed around with your one song and kind of got hit a dead oh, end yeah. with it but yeah. uh if you ever uh want to hear what i could add or, yeah that would be cool um, i'm not i'm totally not against that then send me yeah. a send me a track what is your um what do you do for your license do you uh consider your tracks to be copyrighted or creative commons or what it never occurred to me that i never really asked you that i don't i don't even know you haven't thought of it no what i do is I'm. Uh, this is sort of the model. I, I knew about it well before I knew about him, but he's doing it. Uh, uh, is uh, I use the Creative Commons license, which basically says that um, the there's different types of licenses, but the one I picked is called um, attribution non-commercial share alike, hmm. which means that if you use my stuff, you have to give me credit. Um, if you're gonna use you have you can do anything you want with it that's non-commercial, um, and uh, what does share like mean? Oh, it means that if you remix me or you sample me or something, you have to release uh, your work under the same license. Hmm. So I, I I don't know other so sort of by default everything is copyrighted, hmm. which means that. Um, I, I doubt, you know, I don't think anyone's like itching to sample my song or whatnot. But um, that's but it kind does of mean, how I feel. But it, but it does mean that people could remix 
your right. stuff and they could reuse it in various ways or just um, or just re- redistribute it. It's weird. I, f- I always feel like if anybody ever did anything with anything I ever did, I'd just be pleased. Well, that's you can sort so of. So I, I I I don't care. But you, you could know, sort of a, just formalize that attitude, you know, and yeah. just say, well, this is you know, pick a, a Creative Commons license um, and say that it's not that it's not public domain because it, if it's if you put stuff out there, it's sort of copyrighted by default, but um, someone could try and make money on it. You know? I'd be interested to see. Yeah. I, I mean, I... I, I um, if they can figure out how to if, make money more power to yeah, Sting <laughs> wants to cover any of my songs and keep all the money. Yeah. I, I would be um, I would be fascinated. <laughs> well, all right. And I wouldn't be upset. Okay. Uh, and I think it has more to do with my own... I have a fairly limited sense of uh, myself as a musician. Or, yeah. You know, as a, well, even as a writer, I just, uh, I just don't. I, I feel like I could put everything out there into the public domain, and that nothing would ever happen. That's my own internal sense of things. Well, it's, it's true, but so I don't a, have a sense of protection. That, that idea, the idea behind this is, is that um, obscurity is a bigger, far bigger, and more common hazard to uh, any kind of an independent producer than uh, piracy. Yeah. Um, and so, but that's just, like the Creative Commons uh, kind of formalizes that idea and said, you can copy this, you can hand it off to your friends. In fact, if you did that and handed it off to all your friends, I'd be grateful. Right. <laughs> so, right. So, yeah. Um, well, anyway, just something to think about. All right. Okay. Thanks a Thanks. lot for the chat. Well, thank you, Paul. I really enjoyed it. Okay. Take care. Okay. Talk to you. Bye bye.